Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Very excited for you guys on the program. Uh, we're going back to bringing a guest who's a chief marketing officer onto the program because you know what we talk about here is the methods and technologies for driving growth. That's what we talk about. And I think you guys are in for a huge surprise today in terms of the prescription of driving growth, what you might want to consider doing for yourself uh, in growing and advancing your career and your mental health and other development. So are you guys ready? All right, let's bring on my guest today, Megan Leaders. Megan, good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Full disclosure, Megan is in her mom's house today in Atlanta. I have my mom is also now in Atlanta, just recently moved there. So we were riffing on that, uh, realizing how much we have in common with parents in Atlanta and also talking about that we've both lost our our dads uh, in the not too uh, distant past. Mine coming up on six years. And, and Megan, you said two years for your dad, New Year's. So this New Year's will be three years? It'll be three years in New Year's. Yeah, New Year's so a lot, lot in common. Uh, Megan, if you didn't look in the show notes, uh, Chief Marketing Officer at Silicon Labs. And you've been there now how long? It'll be two years in September. Two years, awesome. Well, Megan, let me start off with uh, something that I prescribe to people kind of get your reaction to it because you definitely uh, took things to a whole nother level. So many times when I've given presentations and I'm talking to a room full of marketing folks, I know the burnout that can come from this role. I know the challenges that can come from the role. Some of those challenges working in an environment where everyone tells you your leads suck and that they need more of them and the relentless demands on, on the role and how, uh, underappreciated the the department can be. I know the challenges of working in a very sales-driven culture where marketing is seen as, as a cost center and not a, a revenue driver. And so what I've said to people for all those reasons and many more that like, if you work in an environment where you don't feel the culture and the passion for marketing as a revenue driver, as a revenue engine, and just the right healthy environment for you to work, I'll say on stage, quit, just quit your job. And, and the reason I give that recommendation is because I know not just this year in 2021, but for at least the last decade, there is no, there's a huge shortage, uh, no lack of demand is what I was going to say for incredible marketing talent. And so if people are not in an environment that's, that's really great, then move to an environment that is even better. And one of the things that we know this year, the articles have come out uh, about this year being the great uh, great resignation where people are making uh, lots of changes, more expected changes career-wise than they ever have. But would you share with everyone on the Demand Gen community a major decision that you made in your life uh, several years ago and why? Yeah, I, I will. I um, Instead of having the title of the chief marketing officer, I created the title of chief sabbatical officer. And I took a very, very purposeful six month sabbatical, a complete break wow. from managing people, having um, commitments and budgets and proposals and lead conversations, all of that. So it was a very mindful and purposeful six month sabbatical. 
what led up to that? And I, I, I want to unpack that as much as I can, because I, as, as I've shared with you, and I definitely want to talk about again, that is the last thing in the world that I ever would have considered doing in my career. Maybe we'll talk about why on a personal level, but I so admire you for doing that, taking uh, the initiative and the risk, but what, what led up to that? Yeah. You know, the biggest part that led up to it is that I had, like you, David, had worked at a company that you gave your heart, your soul, all of your energy into. And in fact, I had two babies while I worked at this company. So, I mean, they, this was my extended family, but it was also the company where I had a family. Um, and I, like you, also kind of grew up at this company. Mm -hmm. I had worn so many hats. I had really done every job in marketing that you that one would would consider being able to be done from communications to leads to channel marketing to sales BDRs I mean I, I did it all and the company had transformed three different times from early stage startup to high growth acquisition by a major company a fortune 500 company um, then to a divestiture from that company so I'd really kind of gone through a nine-year journey with a company having had two babies. And even during my maternity leave, I was still working. Wow. I mean, the team was asked to call me <laughs> for any major decisions. They would not make any, any um, decisions or changes into the plan that we had laid out unless they called. So even maternity leave wasn't quite the break that, that others would have. And so after nine years, I was married to this company and I knew mentally in order for me to move on and decide what I wanted to do next, but more importantly, be effective mm -hmm. at what I was going to go do next. I needed a break. I needed a mental and emotional and physical break. And I needed a break in order to figure out those next steps. And if I was not deliberate about it, I would likely not just continue my burnout, my rate of burnout, but it was not going to be beneficial or um, fair to this new company where I was going to go take a job, but there were a lot of risks. There's no doubt a yeah. lot of risks that went into that. I, I think a lot of people would feel that if they're going through a burnout stage, maybe the first reaction might be to go to another company. And I was just talking with a client of ours the other day. I won't, I won't share the name uh, because it was a, it was a very personal conversation, but he is experiencing extreme burnout, as as you were saying. And we were talking about that. He was saying, like, you know, he could easily move to another company uh, and get another 15, 20% or more increase in income by doing that, but wouldn't be any less burnt out. In fact, when you move to a new company, the expectations are high and, and you want to make a name for yourself and make a an impact, ideally within the first 90 days of being there, is what I always recommend. But you went the complete opposite direction. You were burnt out. And it wasn't to go find a new home. It was to go home. It was to be home before we all worked uh, out of out of our homes. So, were you? A couple of questions for I'm going to throw at you. You take them in anywhere you want. I want to know were you scared? I want to know what the conversation was like with your husband, and what you thought about the financial implications of doing that. Because I think anyone listening to us to have this this really very personal conversation is going to be thinking about those things. Like if I went down Megan's path. If you're married, what is my spouse going to think about that? How do I approach that conversation? What are we going to do from a financial situation? We all know we can go back to work because there's plenty of opportunity, but love to hear from you. 
Yeah. So let's start with the financial, because that's something that it, it applies to everybody, right? It's the, oh my gosh, I'm not getting that paycheck or what am I going to do? Um, knowing that I don't know when my next job is going to come, right? If I'm taking this break and I'm, and in the middle of taking a break, I need to probably get out of town and spend money. I need to go on a vacation or I need to, I need to go somewhere. So not only is the income not coming in, but the expense, expense button is could be going higher than yeah. what it normally does. I still have to have a mortgage and pay my normal bills. And so it was a it was a very deliberate um, and mindful process. I mean, I had saved money and I frankly just came to the realization that I had worked so hard and I did have savings that people always say, right, you, you put some savings away for that rainy day. I was like, this is the rainy day mm -hmm. and and I, I should go and do what it is intended to be be used for. And so I set it aside and I didn't budget myself. I didn't say I was going to spend $100 a week or anything like that. But I was conscious of knowing that I wasn't also going to buy a new car, but I was going to spend money on doing things that needed to be done for me and the family. And so that did entail, um, I took the family to Colorado and um, saw a different part of the country. And I went and visited family because I, again, I needed to figure out what, in order for me to figure out what I wanted to do next, I needed to figure out who I was next. And um, one of the, the biggest parts, when you asked the question, was I scared? One of the biggest and scariest parts of taking a leave. And, and when I say take a leave, I quit my job. So I was done with company X and I did not have a job to go to um, in the in the future. It was a work sabbatical, was not not a sabbatical from that company. You, Correct. You put the line in the sand and said, "This is exit day," and and that was right. It. You're done. Yeah, like your friend with the you know intensity and the burnout. My advice too would be quit. Right, just quit and take a break because you you it's hard to think about the future if you can't be in the right state of mind. And so um, what was scary about it outside of the financial piece, and I kind of had to get that figured out. Um, and, you know, you mentioned I had a husband at the time and say, oh, well, she had someone else to rely on. Well, of course, but that that's nice. But I was I'm an independent person. I have always earned my own money. And while I did have someone to support me through that, and that was an instrumental factor into me being able to do this, I'm very conscious of earning kind of the, the money in the house. And so um, we did have those conversations. And where you have that opportunity to lean on someone else for a while, it's going to make a much happier household if if the decision is made in partnership and in yeah. unison. And it very much was on my case. But the scary the scary part and the, the risk there was um, on two levels. One, I did not know how to identify myself when I left because I was no longer Megan, the CMO of this company. Just like David, if you left, you're no longer David who's founded this fantastic company that went through this tremendous um, acquisition. I mean, you didn't know how to identify. And so I had to wake up and when I would run into someone and introduce myself, it was, gosh, I'm Megan. And I was the mother of Jackson and Carson. That's who I had to become. How did and that feel when you, when you, maybe it changed over times, but when you, you'd meet someone for the first time or seeing your friends like, Hey Megan, how's everything going? And you express like, you know, I'm, I left my job. What, what were those conversations like? And how I mean, were you, what was the voice inside your head? Yeah. Well, I'm, everyone knows I'm such a driven, um, very driven, very competitive person. And I am very, um, 
I'd say career, so career focused that they don't know me any other way. They don't see me on this, at this other side of the spectrum to not have a work meeting or mm -hmm. some sort of the business conversation to have. And so uh, the first month or two, it was hard. And part of it was hard because I was intentional of also reconnecting with a different side of my life, which was both social and extending my network. And so part of the risk that I was mentioning, you know, I had to figure out how to identify myself. The other part of the risk was, am I going to get a job? And when am I going to get a job? And how am I going to get a job? And so I had to remind myself why I was taking this sabbatical was to figure out where I wanted to be and what, what was the type of company and the right type of role that was going to be best for me and my family at this next phase. And so I had to spend my days networking very differently. And so in some cases that meant reconnecting with friends and figuring out how to identify myself when I asked them for coffee and then going out on a limb and asking for meetings and asking for a coffee date with somebody that I didn't know and having to explain why, right? And I wasn't, you know, I normally could get a meeting really with, with a lot of business folks fairly easily just because again, the title and the company that I worked for or someone that I knew that I could reference. And in this case, I was just Megan leaders asking for, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes of your time for a totally different reason. It yeah. wasn't because I had a connection helping me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to me that you did this and it's, it's very personal for me too, because I, um, graduated college in 1988 and I literally started working for Microsoft two weeks after I graduated. And that was the biggest break that I had ever taken in my life was that two weeks, which is nothing. It's a blink. And it was, I don't even know how many years later until I finally went with the family on a Mediterranean cruise. And when you do a cruise, you know, that's a certain number of days. And I think it was a, I think it was like a 17 day cruise. And then we padded some extra days for the trip. And so it was the only time I'd ever taken three weeks off in my life. And this wasn't actually too long ago. This, I want to say, was like maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe a little bit more than that. And it felt life-changing for me at the time. Like I, I felt differently physiologically. I was, I don't know, I liked who that person was, but I also know that I was going to come back to being the CEO of Demandion. I didn't, I didn't take a sabbatical as you did. I just took finally a long vacation and felt really healthy and, and felt I came back as a better leader, a better partner. But let's talk about who you found and how long was the total time off that you were, by the way? Yeah. So it was a total six months and probably something I should, I should tell the audience is that I was very prescriptive about it being no shorter than six months. So when I left, once kind of word got out that I was leaving this, this company, the calls came in almost immediately yeah. and it was like, oh my gosh, Hey, let's meet, let's talk. And I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait. I think your sabbatical sounds good, but I don't think anyone thought I would stick to my time frame. And in fact, some of my work colleagues had bets on an over and under whether or not that I kept saying I was taking six months and they're like, no way, you know, she works, she's so driven. And, um, they all lost because the one thing I did, and I, I talked to a lot of people who've heard my story and they, they want to have lunch or they want to meet. And I say this over and over again, if you don't put the, the flag in the stand to mark that date. So for you, you had 17 days of family time and it was dedicated family time. 
I put the flag in the sand that said, I am not going back and compromising out, outside of six months. And so it was six months and one day that I started wow. my next job. And I had to turn down a lot of great opportunities in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I entertained them right when I left and when I left my job and I just kept saying, no, I, I committed this to myself. And just like you experienced on that cruise, you, it probably took you a whole week just to decompress and realize you didn't have Wi-Fi on that mm -hmm. cruise. Right. Which and was great, by the way. It is super great. I mean, I would love to go on another cruise because it's the only time you're truly disconnected because I refused to pay for Wi-Fi. Right. We did a Disney outrageous. cruise. outrageous. Yeah. And refused to pay for it. I was like, nope, this is why I'm here. And just like you, you take that break. Well, I had plenty of opportunities. I had plenty of folks that wanted to network and try to convince me. And I turned down jobs of fantastic companies. But at the end of the day, I don't look back and say, have any regrets about it and say, oh, I missed out. Two, one, because I had, I knew by seeing the interest that I was going to be confident that I could seek that again. And just like you started this conversation saying the market is immensely hot right now. And it has been, especially for marketing talent. And if you are great marketing talent, there is always a role for you. 100%. And as a marketer, we're all networked. And when word gets out that there is a great talent available, mm -hmm. they'll get scooped up. So mm -hmm. having that mental mindset of being confident going into this, I think was a big, it held me um, and allowed me to keep to that time frame. So six months and I um, did not budge one bit. Who did you discover? Cause, cause you're what, what, was going on in your mind every single day, whether it's thinking about campaigns, hiring new people, leading marketing strategy, putting the budget together, all those things that consumed your head time and, and output were removed, you know, evaporated overnight. And so now you're different. You're spending your time differently and you're thinking different. Who'd you find? And, and who, what, what did your community now find with you? So the one thing I'll never forget that my, my tribe told me, they're like, you're so much more relaxed. And I very much took that to heart. And I, I found a different sense of calm and I learned how to be present in the moment. And so, um, you know, I gave, I gave the commencement speech at UT last year. And one of the pillars that I spoke about was was the four P's and one of the P's was, was being purposeful about being present. And I'm very mindful that if I am in a meeting or if I am having this discussion with you, I am very much focused and being present and everything else can wait. This conversation is the most important one that needs to happen right now. And so during my sabbatical, I was present with my friends. I was present and very intentional when I met someone for coffee mm -hmm. um, and I was very, very present with my family. And part of what I did find was not only how to, to be that, um, I found out that as much as I was so driven and I thought there was this career ladder to climb, I needed to be a reconcile almost where I needed to be to be present with my family. So as much as I wanted to be a CMO in the next role, I knew that I couldn't take a position that was going to have me on a plane five days a week. Okay. So some of the offers that were coming in from California 
where I was going to have to fly back and forth, um, just wasn't going to work. I, there was no way I was going to sacrifice that. Mm -hmm. And some of the roles that were very, very internationally, um, located, all the divisions were international. I just said, I can't do something that, you know, going internationally overseas, you're two weeks at a time. It just doesn't make sense to do anything shorter. Right. And I didn't want to miss that. And I also wanted to understand, did I want to build? Did I want to grow or did I just want to sustain with my next role? And that applies to any function in marketing, mm -hmm. right? Do I want to come in there and have a clean slate and go, go build it for the first time? Or do I want to repair something that maybe is broken and could be better optimized? And so I had that sabbatical to figure that out. What, you know, over nine years, I did all those things. When was I my happiest and why was I my happy, my happiest at that clean slate phase or that growth phase? Um, and where could I give of myself to a new team? And so that's what I found. And that was the, that took not only the break to step away and look at the picture of what I spent those nine years doing. And again, we're assessing where I was happy, but it also took a lot of conversations with different um, executives to understand how their companies operated, Yeah, you know, what was important for them mm -hmm. when they look for new leaders at their companies. And, and because I wasn't asking these people for a job, I wasn't looking for anything from them. I learned more in those conversations than I could have in years working for one company, because I got an honest and candid perspective of ways for me to interpret where and how I was going to be in my best element to support a future company. And so I, I could identify, I was like, all right, I know that small early stage startup is not where I want to be. That, that was something that I could check off the checklist after going through this assessment and then knowing, could I go work for an IBM or a Dell today? Probably not, mm -hmm. like not, not back then. I could not mm -hmm. too much, too grand on the road. And the, and the demands really morning, noon, and night, were just going to prevent me from doing what was number one priority after I kind of reprioritized my life um, values at that time was being home every night for my family. And so I had to be real about the type of company I was going to scope, scope out size wise, but also again, the demands of the role too. Yeah. You and I talked about, because uh, you, you're there in Atlanta, the, the traffic when you were growing up and what that was like uh, coming on the tail end and hopefully behind us now with, with COVID. Prior to that, everyone said, I hate my freaking commute. I wish I exercised more. I wish I had more time to go to the gym. I wish I was eating healthier. I wish I was doing some more of my hobbies. I wish I was spending more time with family. Their their wish list had all the things that where the world said, okay, here you go. You can have all of this now. You can work from home, no more commute, exercise as much as you want. And people, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people did. I mean, you watch Peloton stock and, and right. others. I mean, people bought fitness equipment, but, you know, people talked about putting on COVID weight and that type of stuff. So now your whiteboard of your day is completely erased. You Did you put new hobbies, consciously put new hobbies or things, uh, doing things around the house, spending more time with the kids, getting involved in any programs? What advice would you have for someone who said, okay, you've got this now empty whiteboard of your day. What used to be eight hours, nine hours, whatever the not, 10 hours, 12 hours of your day as a working professional, you now get that time. How'd you figure out how to apply that time in your day? I, I had to, it's so funny you're asking this because I had to go figure out what my hobbies were. I mean, I had forgotten them. I had abandoned 
things that I really used to love and was passionate about because I, and I also had young kids. I had cut, you know, kids, I had just turned 30 and I had young kids. So that was, you know, a lot of my focus, but if you're asking me, did I want to go mountain bike biking or did, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I allowed myself some time to go experiment, whether I took a Spanish class, um, I had the time to go do that, but I really got into fitness and I had stopped working out for years, which for anyone who knows me, that's very unusual. I mean, I, I walk five miles a day right now in COVID. I like, that's what I've done. I lift weights. Um, but I wasn't doing any of that almost for those nine years when I was at that company. And so I was very intense on getting back into, to a working out, a workout schedule, but I had to go figure that I had to go, I had to go trigger those memories and, um, try it. But I also made some, my, you talk about that whiteboard. I made a list of my goals and what I wanted to accomplish each month. And in one case, it was like, I want to meet three new people that I didn't know the week before. Right. So there was a goal, which meant I had to, I had to reach out to people. And some of those were, again, th- this is probably one of the better examples. Um, I am always a marketer at heart and the Yeti brand is a brand that I not only am in a very, um, I, I keep, I keep them in business. We have every Yeti product, I think, Where's, to man. I think mine's, mine's been, I left it in the car. Love, <laughs> love those products. Not sponsored yeah, by Yeti, but what a great product. Well, and it's, it's behind my house. I mean, it's eight minutes. Their headquarters about eight minutes ah. from my house. And so uh, I emailed the or LinkedIn to the CMO of LinkedIn. I've, I'm sorry, of Yeti on LinkedIn, did not know him. And I just said, hey, Corey, would love to just learn more about the Yeti brand and how you've been able to preserve the brand despite all the growth that you've experienced, right? And consumers really adopting this product more so than just the, the true target audience. And so I said, Hey, could I take you to lunch? Can I just visit? And he was like, why don't I just come to the, come to the office and I'll show you around. And so I thought this would be like a 45 minute visit. It turned into three hours and he knew me going into it. I was not looking for anything. I just was fascinated with the Yeti brand. And mm-hmm. so part of that break I had on my whiteboard to do meetings like that, to go ask people how they, how they did stuff in marketing that I would never um, have thought of, or I'll say the biggest thing I never made the time for. Mm -hmm. And since, since this sabbatical, I'm very mindful about networking and there's probably no better use of um, my time, especially to benefit my team, because now when they want connected to somebody or when we're recruiting and looking for talent, yeah. I've networked with so many different people throughout the community, not just in Austin, but, but abroad and, and throughout the U S and internationally, that that network is what helps us hire great talent mm-hmm. or lets us learn of a trend or read of a blog or a podcast. I mean, that's that network effect is what I've taken from that sabbatical and it's something that is ingrained and it's a core value of who I am in terms of ensuring that I never um, compromise on that specific, I'll call it hobby, if you will, marketing hobby. But um, the personal hobbies, yes, I did have to go figure out what they were, but one of them was also travel. And I I definitely had a very aggressive travel schedule set out and um, took full advantage of taking this sabbatical during I'll call the summer months. So for March to October one, so kind of a March one to October one was my break yeah. and um, started October, October 2nd. That's awesome. We're, we're going to, we're going to hit a few other super important topics as I'm listening to you thinking about, we'll, we'll get to 
staying relevant, right? Because there's a big fear that if you step away from work, you might lose your relevancy. I want to talk about like, so establishing your goals, that's a key takeaway because when you have all this time, it's really easy to waste it. And you were very intentional about not wasting it and establishing goals uh, for yourself. Everything from, I will not set foot back in an office as an employee for at least six months. And it was six months to a day. And then you wrote what you wanted to accomplish uh, in, in doing that. The staying relevant, right? You're stepping away from work. And let's face it. I mean, every industry, every field is advancing. Medicine has gone through incredible uh, advances. Marketing certainly has evolved the discipline tremendously. Uh, and people get this this fear, no matter what industry you're left, you step away that you're not going to stay relevant. And that maybe when it comes to that interviewing period, it's like, hey, Megan, let's take a look at your back. Well, you took uh, six months off. Well, you know, you're worried. They're, oh, I wonder if she knows anything about account-based marketing because that's been all the rage this year, whatever it is, right? Um, how did you tell yourself one to 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 deal with maybe that vulnerability but also did you have to do anything to stay relevant because i have an opinion about it but i i want to hear from the person who's gone through it so yes what you and i as marketers have this uh constant challenge right marketing changes at the kind of the speed of light it seems and if you think i took this sabbatical many many years ago and the advances that we have made just not only from a marketing technology, but a learning mechanism has advanced substantially. So podcasts are so much more readily available. Um, the blogs, the, the LinkedIn network effect in terms of just posts that are happening, social media is uh, 10 times greater than it was back when I did the sabbatical. All of those components are what helps you to stay relevant. and. As much as I was taking a vacation or, you know, traveling or um, I was focused on, you know, these hobbies or just trying to figure out my inner piece of who I am and what makes me tick more effectively, I did read and I did listen. And I, again, I think part of it came back to networking. Mm -hmm. And in the case of the Yeti example, I was learning about brand and the preservation of a brand. And some of those networking meetings were just that, like, hey, how, how have you? executed ABM. I saw an article that you wrote, or um, I heard you speak at a, you know, marketing association meeting recently, and just wanted to kind of pick your brain. And so staying relevant, even if in the, in the sense that you're going to step away from maybe the day-to-day -day job, whether we're working or not at that full-time capacity, I think some of these tactics that I'm just mentioning are required for all of our jobs, mm -hmm. because we're all so focused on, did I do my job today? Did I you know, check this off the checklist? I have to do that because if I don't, it's gonna impede someone else. All of our day-to-day -day life, all the tactics of it gets in the way sometimes of us learning and having that constant sense of curiosity, but also realizing, is there a better way? Is there a better mousetrap for us to, to investigate? And I had to stay relevant and I was mindful of it, but I did it through networking and I definitely did it through reading. Um, and I asked a lot of questions. Every time I could talk to a feather, fellow colleague or I had the opportunity to dialogue with someone, I would ask questions. Uh, but one thing you know, that, that I employ today with my team um, that I will carry forward forever is that we have a commitment on our KPIs to learning every quarter. And so every, team member has 12 hours that they are 
um, available to use any way they want to learn. And that could be listening to podcasts, that could be reading, that could be taking a class, going to a Marketo conference, um, but really kind of exposing the team to realize you don't have to get on a plane to learn. You can learn by, by meeting someone for coffee and asking them about ABM or asking them how a tool was implemented that they used. Um, you can do it by the, like I said, the podcast. And um, I try to lead by example. And so I tell my team all the time, I walk so much that I'll spend half the walk learn, listening to something I'll call educational, something where it's I'm listening, it's challenging my mind. And then I'll spend the other half of the, the walk completely separating and listening to Audible. I you know, have, an, have some book that I just need to listen to just to kind of zone out. And that's how I have that separation of some of that work-life balance that everyone needs to maintain. But that separation from work for a little bit comes in the form of me listening to something else or listening to music, um, whatever the passion is. It was, but, a, it was a whole reason that I started the podcast in the first place, which I guess, you know, was, was an early early adopter, if you will, of, of this channel, because the podcast, I mean, it's over four years ago, they started it. And we had to go through the point, like, should we have a podcast? I'm sure people still ask that question. But how, I wrote uh, my book, Manufacturing Demand, and published that in 2012. And I'm not a writer. Like, if you give me an opportunity to go do public speaking gig all day long, love doing it, or even online. I just love um, the oral experience of communicating. That's a, that's a strength of mine. Writing the book was important to document it because you can reach an unlimited number of people at that time. It was really before podcasts, uh, people can write the book, but I love, I love bringing the education, um, you know, to people and there's so much of it. So in terms of staying relevant, I love what you said, which is, Hey, you're a consumer and everything in the end of the day is, is B to I. So whatever you're doing and seeing good marketing, you can bring back and apply, which you may not notice some of that if you're just so much in the, in the, in the day to day. And, and let's face it, even with a six month period, no one, no one frowned during your interviewing period, probably just the opposite. They were envious of what you did and you really owned it by the way, like on LinkedIn, if you go check out Megan's profile, like it's, it's right there. Your sabbatical as a time that you took in your life and what you set out to accomplish. I, I want to ask you about, well, I want to come back to something because I realized that the only time that I ever stepped away from work, truly stepped away, uh, was in 1999 when I had grown up at a company for nine and a half years, really took on a lot of responsibility, went from starting on their sales team to working and becoming their vice president of marketing, taking the company public. So I was fried uh, at that period of time. And so I talked with my wife and I said, hey, listen, we had taken the company public, uh, you know, public companies. So had done well enough financially that I wasn't gonna retire for the rest of my life. At that time, I, I felt, but was also that sense of security, like, hey, we're okay. So what do I wanna do? And I quit and she was completely supportive of that. We talked about video gaming a little bit. The other day I was asking about your sons and if they if they game and you were saying that they're really into sports. And the reason that I asked that, cause I was reflecting that in 1999 when I stepped away as you did and had complete wipe. I wasn't thinking about what to do next. I get home one night and I say to my wife, I said, Hey, I, uh, I'm gonna go upstairs and game. And she's like with my brother. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, I got to call my mom. And I'm like, that's gonna be like an hour. And she's like, oh, well, you're going to be like on the phone for four hours, you know, with my brother. Cause it's 1999, you have modems and you have a home phone line and that's it. There was no cell phones, uh, 
to really speak of at that time that you were making long calls on. So she said, just kind of flippant, well, I really wish you would figure out a way to talk over the internet instead of tying up the phone. And I had the opportunity to do something about it. And little did I know, I become like the Alexander Graham Bell of the internet. And, and I took that idea and I said, you know, as, as my wife's ideas often are, it was a great idea. So met up with a bunch of guys online and I said, you know this and you know this and I know this and this, why don't we build the very first way to talk over the internet for video gamers? And they're like, and I just happened to find a bunch of guys that were okay financially to be able to do this. You know, the guy who wrote the networking layer was a Stanford student and he's a genius. And we, we used a lot of principles that, that came out of Napster. So the point is, because I had no responsibility for a time in my life, I could do anything. And I did something that I would never have planned that I would have done next, Megan, because I just would have begun to be the head of marketing for another company after that. I just would have gone and done that again and again and again. And, and my whiteboard was erased and feel like in, in some way I changed the world. Uh, Demand Gen, when I started Demand Gen in 2007, it was intentional, calculated. I knew that I was going to transition from my role at Ellie Mae, running marketing there, to starting this business and being an entrepreneur. So I never had that gap. But I love your advice about when when the canvas is completely erased, the whiteboard's erased, for you to uh, figure that out. Let's talk. Any thoughts of that? Please share because I want to go uh, next I, about I, the interviewing process. Maybe I'm curious to know though, what prevents you, what prevented you from taking a break, right? You jumped into your first job at Microsoft right away. And you, you know, why, why did you hesitate to, I know every recruiter always wants you to start the next day because that's why they're recruiting you. But what prevented you from saying, no, I need a break and not, not jumping right away. I, I've been getting that question too recently because after selling my company to BDO Digital, and now having a very significant role at BDO Digital, people are like, why are you still working? Um, we, get, we can flip the podcast to focus on Dave, but I think it's the theme, at which is, you know, what are we all trying to accomplish in our lives? And, you know, when do we need to step away from what we're doing? I, I believe that I am addicted to certain passions of mine. Um, I love educating and inspiring people, absolutely love it. And I feel that, you know, with, the whole mission of demand gen, which has not changed, is to make marketing heroes, to, to help people like you advance your careers by learning the methods and technologies for driving growth. That's why I started the business. And after doing that for 14 years, now being part of BDO Digital, I feel like I've got two important responsibilities. One is I want to make sure that my team just thrives um, because we are in this much bigger company where we have tremendous resources to achieve our vision and far more services that we could ever have delivered to our clients overnight. And that's exciting. So I wanna make sure that we capitalize on that. But again, I'm telling you someone who is addicted to my passions and to learning and making an impact. Uh, why did I never take time off? I was, candidly, I was afraid uh, as, as a father and as a husband of providing for my family. I, I remember a guy telling me who had made a bunch of money and I asked him why he wasn't retired. And he goes, it's really unsettling to see money, see money, just leave your bank account every year, Dave, and nothing coming in and wondering if you're going to have enough. And that stuck with me. Uh, my uncle was a great mentor to me and he sold his business at a certain age. And he would say to me, you're way too young to retire. You need to do something, Dave. You're very smart. You're very driven. 
you can have a great impact on people or certain industries. So I, I've always feel compelled every single day to show up and, and make an impact, Megan. And so that's why I've never stepped away. And that's why when you and I got together and said, hey, what do we want to talk about? And you're like, I want to talk about my sabbatical. I'm like, I would love to hear about that. And I'm sure others are just getting great inspiration. Uh, and, and so come full back, like would I have not have done this podcast with you and maybe now change somebody's life for the better. So that's what drives me is I want to just impact. I always, I've always said, Megan, uh, my kids know this, my wife knows this, people close to me. I believe that life is like an amusement park and we're a very big Disney family. So we'll just stick with that one. Like, and when you're born, the park opens, it opens on that day. And then one day the park closes as it did for your dad and it did for my dad, your dad, no, the night practically, uh, and my dad pretty close to that as well. The park closes and that's it. I just wanna ride the rides as much as I can, have as much fun with my family, with my friends, with the people that I work with. And I'm, I guess I'm just trying to go all in every single day. And maybe take away from me thinking about what you did is, Maybe stepping away isn't stepping away. What do you it's, think? It's jumping on another ride, right? It's time to get off that roller coaster and time to go around the merry-go-round for a little bit, right? It's, and I think even for marketers, there's a lot of us that have maybe been doing the same type of role for so long, riding that same ride that they want to explore something else. And back in the day, you used to go get an MBA, you know, when you were doing this type of function. And then you're like, oh, this is just, I'm not passionate about finance. I really want to switch gears. I want to do something else. The advice to you was go get an MBA. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that I would go that extreme. And especially with as fast as this world is changing with technology and learning and marketing as a discipline. I don't know that that has to be the path. And I tell even people on my team all the time, sometimes taking that mental break and really reassessing who you are and what you want. And I, I'll say one thing, I think maturity, right? You and I have had lots of different career junctures along the time and we've matured, whether it's we matured because we had a family or we had different responsibilities or maybe some of our desires changed, you know, maybe traveling was really important to us in the twenties and I could do it. Um, but in the forties, you know, something else is important to me. Yeah. And that maturity maybe is what the impetus is to tell us to take a break and to go figure out where and how we want to apply our best self going forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're fortunate to live in this era where we can take a step back and have other opportunities come our way. And we talk about, you know, if you're a great marketing talent in particular, you'll still have a job waiting for you when you're ready to return. But I would 10 times much rather wait on an employee that I know is really passionate about being in the seat than to rush in and get someone that's just jumping because they were burnt out of the old one yeah. and they wanted to get into the new one so quickly just to get out of there that they think that's what's going to solve the problems. And um, even with people on my team, I tell them, I said, you know, at, at some point in your life, you're going to ask yourself, what is important to me? Is it the title? Is it money? Is it climbing a ladder and getting all these progressive steps? Is it the diversification? Is it unlimited travel, vacation schedules, like what is it that's important? And yeah, it'd be great to say it's all important, of course, right? You gotta get paid, you gotta have some vacation, but what is really what's driving you? And when someone is honest with themselves, they tend to look at their job 
and they look at what they're doing at that particular juncture a little differently when they can really take that step back and say, no, what's most important to me, it is money or it is I want to climb the ladder. And I think earlier in my career, and it sounds probably like we're, we're very much coming from the same DNA cycle, is that we were driven by teams, by growing them, by having career growth ourselves. And I wouldn't have answered my question to that, or I my answer would be different today than it was, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago about what really moved me yeah. to want more. Well, I love the topic. Thank you so much for, for, for taking this topic to the Demand Gen Radio community. I want to encourage you, Megan, I, I know you've done some talks on this, but I would if it's a passion of yours, I, I really think there's something important here that goes into a book or a podcast or many more keynotes and many more talks because you really can change the lives of so many people with this experience that you went through. Not enough people um, do it. I'm I'm thinking about my own daughter, Emily, uh, and you know, spent the whole weekend with her. My, my niece was in town, who's interning at Amazon, and she has said when she's done with her, uh, college that she is intentionally taking six months off before she goes to work. And she said, you know, the right employer will wait for me. Love that. Um, Emily, who started her career in marketing and marketing operations, um, left, uh, I feels like about six months ago. She's currently, quote, not working for some other company, but she is taking this time, uh, even though she's never talked to you, to do exactly what you're doing is to figure out really what path she wants to be on. She knows she wants to be a mom and have kids within the next year and a half. She also was like, Hey, we need to make sure as a family that if I'm not bringing an in income, we're in a position to be able to do that. And, and they're doing great. So, uh, I love this, this idea of that quitting is starting and yeah. I encourage and, you to take and on it that forward. note. I mean, having the kids, that's a, that's the scariest part. There's a lot of people that maybe their sabbatical is taking that step yeah. out of the limelight to go have kids and they want to, they want to break for four or five years. And I know a lot of the people that have met with me, that's their predicament. They're like, Hey, I'm stepping out for a couple of years. I'm tapping out. Am I going to be able to tap back in and how? And so there, there are absolutely um, methods and thoughts that I have on that topic too, about how to have actually taken a bigger break. you know, mine was six months. Others can be a week, six weeks, but some people may be six years. And how do you get back into it after six years Again, if, if you left at the top of your game, are you going to go back into the top of your game? And that's yeah. where that maturity and what you want, what's important to you, probably has changed from how you would have answered it back then, just like this pandemic. And, you know, I think the, the one beauty, what you said earlier in this pandemic is that it has, it has forced a lot of us to reassess what is important every day. And whether it's the commute or whether it's, I just want to continue with my workout or I, I got to see every sporting event that my kids played in. I never missed one thing. Oh, I and that. I got to volunteer at the kid's school, which yeah. is usually I'm the parent that just has to pay the bill. Right. And I was like, no, I get to go make cupcakes and I get to present them or whatever the, the, the need was. I got to do it because I lived two minutes from the house and I could easily jump in and out to do that. So awesome. all those different factors. And, um, you know, would love to talk to anybody who has those same questions and, you know, those challenges and, and explain on how to be confident, but also how to, you know, take this in stride too with where they want to go and, and being honest with the, the path they can take to get there. Love it. Let's, let's do this. Cause I think, uh, you know, I've done hundreds of episodes in Demand Gen Radio. I think this is one of the most important episodes 
that we've ever done. And I, and the irony is that we're not talking about a specific technology or method in marketing. We're talking about uh, having an impact on yourself. So let's continue this conversation, everybody. Let's continue the conversation in two places. Um, the first is when I post this video, if you're watching it right now on YouTube, uh, I'm sorry, on LinkedIn, let's get some comments below and talk about your takeaways and thoughts, what you're hearing from Megan, maybe fears or concerns. If you've done this as well or or haven't, why, why not? Uh, also on YouTube, I know so many of you listen to Demand Gen Radio on the podcast app, which is awesome. And I encourage you to do so. If you haven't clicked on subscribe, make sure that you do. But on YouTube, um, you can put comments below the video where you can't do that on a podcast. So if you aren't watching on YouTube, go to demandgen.tv, find this episode with Megan. And if you want, share your comments there. They're on LinkedIn, but let's continue the conversation because Megan can certainly see those and weigh in. I encourage you to connect with her uh, if this is something that maybe you're considering in the short term or just maybe in, in the future. But Megan, I really hope that you can continue to keep telling uh, parts of this journey of yours because I know there's one person, at least one, that is going to, uh, when the episode finishes, be thinking very intently about following in your footsteps. And that's life-changing for some people. I hope it's more than one. I know my kids are, are they, they wish I could go take another sabbatical. They keep asking me, they're like, when's the next sabbatical, mom? Yeah. So I'm very uh, aware of what I did, not just in the professional world, but what I did personally with my family. Cool. And uh, I think that's another you know, another aspect uh, for people to consider. Well, go downstairs or wherever you're going and go give mom a big hug. I'm certainly proud of you, envious, uh, admire you for for what you've done. Uh, I'm not there. I'm not there yet to take a sabbatical, but I am inspired by we'll by there. your advice. We will get there. All right, you guys, that is going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. I loved it. I loved hearing from Megan. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Would love to hear your comments, like I said, on LinkedIn or YouTube, or reach out directly to me on LinkedIn. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast or, or YouTube, please do so, because we make content for you guys every single week like this. And you know what? Just one of these episodes could change your life too. I hope this one uh, definitely gave you some things to think about. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.